Okay. All right. Uh, sorry for the uh, start that is a little slower than normal, although last week uh, it was sort of similar. So maybe this is your uh, regular start. Uh, uh, it is great uh, to be here uh, uh, today, uh, uh, this Friday afternoon, because we have a special guest, uh, Patrick Fournier from the University of Montreal. Uh, Patrick, um, We've known uh, Patrick for uh, a long uh, time uh, as uh, in the whole politics lab, and it's nice to have a friend visiting. So I'm uh, really excited about that. Thijs uh, um, and I had a pleasure of being invited uh, to Montreal a couple of years ago, just before the pandemic, sort of the summer before the pandemic, uh, to talk about sort of advances in political psychology. And that was uh, that was a really nice uh, experience. Um, um, we we also know, uh, and, and I assume many of you also know Patrick's uh, work, uh, which is uh, incredibly diverse. I just mentioned, we were just talking about the speed with which uh, people can type. Uh, Patrick has written three books. Uh, he, he was polite to say, well, one is a, it's a short book, but it's still three full books. And aside from that, he has, uh, he has contributed to uh, a wide range of, uh, of different literatures. Uh, ranging from traditional political science questions, and I say this with all the respect, right, to the traditional political science questions, but also to uh, core psych political psychology questions uh, on the negativity bias uh, with, with some really important work with uh, Stuart Soroka on, uh, on, on the cross-country uh, effect, uh, well, generalizability or variability and negativity biases. Uh, today, um, uh, Patrick is going to talk about some new work, uh, and when he emailed me, uh, I had uh, to, uh, to be um, uh, with with the title and the abstract. I was excited because it was about the Lion King, and uh, Patrick, you didn't notice, but my two oldest, uh, my two sons, uh, yeah, yeah. who are. Um, are, are had a period where they uh, the only thing they wanted to watch was the Lion King, and so I do have a lot of uh, positive effect uh, uh, to the Lion King, but at some point also some uh, some boredom, right? You do know the scenes <laughs> at some point by heart, but uh, I I do I did not think about the political consequences of the Lion King uh, yet, uh, but um, in a few minutes uh, we will be hearing about that, uh, so I'm excited about that, and uh, while we're listening to Put it, uh, yeah, down. either completely down or yeah. Up. I think if you can move it up, yeah, up. Okay. it doesn't go lower, but just no, it must be a either a make disappear or minimize, right? Yeah, I think. Hide, hide video, by the way. Okay, oh, no, that's yeah. uh, sorry, that was the problem. Yeah, we don't see the other side. Hide floating meeting controls. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Control shift H. Okay. Hey, uh, Patrick, uh, um, educate us about uh, about uh, about the role of emotions in uh, in this important question of satisfaction with democracy, which we've all thought about a lot in recent years. So it's great to have you here. It's an honor. Thank you very much for the kind words. Uh, I am really happy to be here. I've had amazing discussions with many of you over the, the last two days. Uh, I need to point out that I could not talk about this project without the work of my partners in crime, uh, Shane Singh and Jason Roy. Shane actually came up with the idea for this project, that idea eventually snowballed into the mega version we have now, but, uh, but their contribution was, of course, uh, essential. 
so this is about satisfaction with democracy. Satisfaction with democracy is an important concept. It has notably been linked to electoral turnout. It's been linked to uh, vote switching. It's been linked to voting for extreme parties, for it been linked to support for changes in political institutions, and uh, even uh, democratic survival. So what drives satisfaction with democracy? Many factors are relevant, but one common finding is the winner-loser gap in satisfaction. This is actually the product of an interaction between vote choice and electoral outcome. So basically, if uh, you are a person who voted for a winner during an election, you tend to become more satisfied with the functioning of democracy after the election has taken place. And if you voted for a loser, then you tend to become less satisfied with democracy following the election. This finding is quite robust. It's been uncovered in many countries. It's been found using multiple different research designs, whether it's uh, surveys, panel, or experiments. And uh, what explains it? Like, why are winners more satisfied with democracy than losers? Well, researchers, not us, the discipline, has identified two uh, potential mechanisms to explain the winner-loser gap. First, there's a policy mechanism. The argument here is that people are affected by the utility they anticipate receiving from the forthcoming legislation of the new government. So winners are more satisfied with democracy because they expect that their preferred policies will be implemented by the new government. Losers are less satisfied because they believe that new government will follow different policies than the one they prefer, than one they, that are the fair bits. And uh, so that's the, the policy argument. It's all driven by what people expect in terms of future uh, legislation and policy. There's a second mechanism that's proposed and one that focuses on a, a topic dear to the hot politics lab, emotions. The argument here is that the, that people are reacting differently because they're being driven by the emotions that accompany uh, a loss or a triumph during an election, and that contaminates their evaluation of, of democracy. So winners are more satisfied because being on the side that, that came out on top, they feel happier, and that happiness leads them to, to evaluate the democracy more favorably, while losers being on the the side that did not come out on top. In their case, they are experiencing emotions that make them less happy, and that translates then to their evaluation of functioning of democracy. Most studies that have looked at this topic simply assume that both mechanisms are in play whenever a winner-loser gap is uncovered. And, uh, and, and no study has really tested convincingly which of these two mechanisms is really more important. It, it, it's, it's difficult because you always have a hard time during election to disentangle emotions and policy considerations. So we want to tackle this question. We want to give a crack at it. And uh, we do so with, with three pre-registered studies. So all of our studies want to examine, examine whether changes in emotions that are not linked to any policy content whatsoever, whether these emotions affect the satisfaction of democracy. Because the argument is, if uh, the emotional mechanism is truly driving the link between winning and satisfaction, then any uh, source of more positive emotions, even if, though it's unrelated to an election, should also boost satisfaction. 
And so we have uh, two studies, which are uh, panels, short-term panels that take place within the context of a uh, major sporting event. And we also have another study where we manipulate emotions more directly, uh, more experimentally. But, uh, but if, if that argument is right, then in these contexts, more positive emotions should boost satisfaction. And that would validate the, the emotional mechanism if we find such results. But if the findings are null, that would suggest that the other mechanism, which we can't test directly here, the policy mechanism would, would be the likely candidate for what drives the winner-loser gap if emotions are not, uh, uh, are not in play here. Uh, so the very first study is, um, uh, is, is, is focused on the Super Bowl. So in, in, in the United States, the most popular sport is football, not your type of football, the American football version. Uh, it, the, the, that match typically attracts the largest audience of the year on television in America. Uh, there are also research that shows that emotions of individuals are actually affected by the results of Super Bowl games. So we conducted our two-wave panel around that match of uh, that in, in uh, last year, to, to, uh, to 2022, where Cincinnati was facing Los Angeles. Los Angeles came out on top, they won. Uh, we were in the field right before and right after the match. So our participants were recruited by Dynata, aiming for a representative sample, but we fielded the survey ourselves. It, the survey covered the entire United States, but they were uh, oversampling in the two home regions of the two opposing teams. So oversampling in Cincinnati region and in the Los Angeles region. We uh, were in the field. Uh, uh, it, what's great about the Super Bowl is you know two weeks at a time which teams will be facing themselves. It, it's complication the Super Bowl where you don't have the luxury. So we uh, decided to go into the field uh, for three days, three days out of the Sunday, three days out of the match. And we ended field work for wave one on the day of the Super Bowl, right before kickoff. Mm -hmm. We uh, collected 3,200 interviews on wave one. Uh, right after the match, right after the end of the game, we tried to recontact every person we previously interviewed. So we, uh, this is a real panel where we recontact the same individuals. We were uh, in the field for five days following the, the match, and we managed to contact about half of those individuals. Uh, we uh, stopped field work when uh, recontacts were getting rare. Uh, based on our pre-registration, we, um, uh, we exclude respondents who failed an attention check, and we also exclude respondents who had missing values on key uh, control variables. That leaves us with a usable sample of about 1,400 individuals, where we have 332 from Cincinnati and 249 from Los Angeles. These numbers are consistent with the size of the groups we needed, according to power analysis, to detect an effect of the size we anticipated. So the, 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 the size of the groups is sufficient. Um, we have as a uh, manipulation check as a, a, a way of determining whether emotions were affected by the event, a measure of mood. We simply ask individuals to rate their mood on an 11 point scale. And uh, we, uh, uh, we constructed from this measure a, an individual measure of change. So we uh, subtract the 
what score in terms of mood in wave one from the score from wave two. So that produces a difference that ranges from minus 10 to plus 10. If you had a neg negative difference, that means that your mood became less pleasant after the game. If you have a positive difference, that means your mood improved and became more pleasant after the result of the game. So we use this measure of mood to test whether emotions were affected here. So we will regress our measure of mood on two indicators of winning and losing. And that's also stemming from our pre-registration. Our first way of capturing winning and losing is the region of residence. We consider people who live in Cincinnati to be losers. We consider people who live in the LA region to be winners. And so we regress change in mood on region, controlling for age, gender, income, education, and partisanship. Here we plot the, uh, the, the values, not just for our, our main uh, variable of interest, not the controls. And here you can see that uh, emotions weren't really affected uh, by the Super Bowl if you capture it in terms of region of residence, right? No region had a significant change in terms of mood pre-game to, uh, pre to post-game. And the difference between the two regions is not significant either. We have a second way of capturing winning and losing, again, following the pre-registration, and that is a measure of which team people are supporting. And that allows us to actually use the sample that goes beyond Cincinnati and LA to people all around the US who could be rooting for one of the two teams. So we ask them, which team are you rooting for and how much do you care about the victory of that team on a scale from zero to 10? So we regress, change in mood on an interaction of these two items. And here we plot the predicted values for what we call strong supporters and weak supporters. If you're a strong supporter, you have a score of 10 on the caring scale I just showed you. If you're a weak supporter, you had a score of zero on the caring scale. So here you can see that uh, individuals who were strong supporters of the winning team, the LA Rams experience a, an improvement in mood, a more positive mood after the outcome of the game, a significantly more positive outcome. And uh, if you look at the supporters of the losers, the, the Bengals, in that case, they almost have a decline in mood. It's not quite significant. But the difference between these two groups, the difference between the two changes is significant. So the question is, we see movement in terms of emotions on this way of operationalizing winning and losing. Does that translate to satisfaction with democracy? Was satisfaction with democracy, democracy affected by the emotions we see here? This is our the question we use to capture satisfaction with democracy. It's the common measure in the, in the discipline. Um, uh, we again constructed a measure of change in satisfaction across the two waves. You can see here the distribution of this variable. You'll see that the, the distribution of the variable is actually quite common across the four countries we study, which is in a way surprising. But uh, what we have the score for uh, before the Super Bowl, we have the score for after the Super Bowl. And again, we construct a measure of change. So in this, in this case, it's change and satisfaction, but it's again using the wave one score that we subtract from the wave two score. So if people have a positive difference, it means that they had an increase in their satisfaction. If they have a negative difference, it means that their satisfaction declined. So we regress 
change in satisfaction with democracy based, first of all, on region of residence. You can see here that in, in Cincinnati and Los Angeles, there is no significant change in satisfaction with democracy. That's not surprising because based on this operalization, there was no significant movement in terms of emotions. There was no movement in terms of mood in the two regions. So this is surprising. What about the other way of conceptualizing things, the preferred team? So again, we remember here that the strong supporters were those that were most affected emotionally by the outcome of the game. You can see that the strong ramp supporters, even though they were swayed in terms of mood previously, they had they show no movement whatsoever in terms of satisfaction democracy. Same thing for the strong uh, supporters of the losing team. The strong Bengals supporter did not exhibit any significant change in satisfaction democracy. We had other uh, hypotheses that were proposed in the uh, pre-registration in terms of how we would test this idea, always thinking that maybe people who are more attached or a stronger fan of a team could be those that would be affected. And we had these two questions where we, we asked people, not simply between those two teams, but of all the teams playing in the league, which is your favorite. So here we capture people who are really strong fans of, a, of the team before they were actually in the final. And so we use again, change in satisfaction uh, regressed on an interaction of these two indicators. But when we look at the results, again, there is no indication, no evidence that the impact of winning and losing on satisfaction varies according here to the fandom. There's simply no significant coefficient whatsoever. The final hypothesis that we had was that the uh, impact of the game on people's views would be strongest for those who actually anticipated that the outcome of the game would be different than what it really was. So if you expect an outcome that's different from reality, your emotions could be uh, stronger. They could be more potent. And here we especially anticipate that individuals who expected a loss and won would have a, a, a surprise victory and so a greater gain in satisfaction while those who were expecting a victory and actually loss would be mostly affected negatively. But here you can see that the, the ones who expected, the ones who were Ram supporters and expected the Bengals to win. So these guys are winners who were expecting a defeat. They did not experience a particularly rise, a particularly strong rise in satisfaction. Same way, those who were Bengal supporters and expected the Bengals to win, so they, these are losers who expected the victory, they did not experience a particularly strong drop in satisfaction either. So this idea also is not supported by the data. We simply see no movement in satisfaction among any subgroup. But in our mind, the Super Bowl study was the pilot study. Uh, we, we saw that there was only modest emotional change during that uh, game. And so our stronger test is this one. So uh, in, I would say outside of the United States, the most popular sport is also football, but not the same kind of football. The original version, right? The one that, that is sometimes called soccer, right? It, it's simple. The World Cup is the most watched uh, sporting event on, in the entire planet. Uh, studies also show that the result of World Cup matches uh, alter people's emotions. And so we replicated study one during 
the final of the World Cup last December. Uh, you all remember that this was a match between France and Argentina. So we only learned it was French versus Argentina four days before the game. So we, we had to have a quick turnaround here. But, uh, but we couldn't run the same kind of design, a two-way panel. Um, the firm Sint this time recruited 3,000 uh, individuals, a representative sample in both countries. So 3,000 in France, 3,000 in Argentina. We started the wave one field work three days before the game. We ended on the day of the final, just before kickoff. Again, we tried to recontact as many people as we could. Right after the game, we started uh, recontacting them uh, online and we were in the field for wave two until uh, five days later. Attrition was more pronounced in Argentina than France. Maybe they were celebrating uh, harder <laughs> in that case. Um, uh, again, following our pre-registration, we uh, exclude cases that have missing values on a list of control variables that is uh, specified. That leaves us with uh, 2,600 cases, uh, just about in terms of usable uh, sample for our analyses here. We have the same uh, manipulation check. We have the same measure of mood on a zero defense scale. Uh, we again capture a difference in mood, a change pre and post. You can see that uh, emotions were affected, but only among winners. Right? In France, there was no significant movement in mood. The, the mood, and if you look even day by day, it, it's just flat. They were relatively happy to be in the final. They were happy to compete, but the fact that they lost, they remain at the same level. But uh, in Argentina, there was, of course, an explosion of joy, a, a large improvement, right? The, in, in the Super Bowl, the biggest changes we were seeing was about a third of a point in terms of, of gain. Here, it's more than one point. So this, if, if, is, if we capture things with region of residence, we can also do the same thing with preferred team, like which team are you rooting for? To what extent do you care about the victory of this team? Uh, you can see here that results are not different in France. Uh, uh, mood did not change there, even if you were a strong supporter of France. Even if you said you, you scored 10 on a caring scale for their victory, your mood did not become more negative after the game. And like the Super Bowl, the only group that was actually affected in terms of positive mood was those who were strong supporters of the winners. In this case, this case Strong Argentina supporters were the ones who had a, uh, a large bump in their positive emotions. Uh, things important. Uh, one thing important to note: mood is a basic measure. We have other measures in study too. We have multi-item uh, scales based on the Panas effective inventory. So we have a joviality scale where we ask people whether they're feeling these three feelings: delighted, happy, and joyful, on the eleven-point scale. Uh, we have a sadness measure based on whether people are feeling blue, downhearted, and sad. And uh, both measures indicate the same pattern, that emotions were only affected in Argentina following the match, and mostly among strong supporters. So even our basic measure of mood identifies the same pattern, whether we have something, some of these more sensitive measures. So it's clear that uh, there was a greater impact of the game on uh, emotions in Argentina, did that translate to satisfaction of democracy? This is our measure using the same question 
uh, actually our questionnaires, the, the order, the, the wording were the same across study one and study two. Again, we constructed a measure of change in satisfaction, subtracting the wave one score from the wave two score. And if we regress uh, change in satisfaction on region of residence, we find these results. <laughs> so we would have expected uh, people in Argentina, because they're so happy, that they would say, oh yeah, democracy is great, democracy is, is super. Um, there was no improvement in their rating. Actually, there was a slight decline, a significantly uh, slight decline. Pardon me? FIFA has more There was no change in, in France. Uh, so that's if you use region of residence. What about per team? Right again, we would expect if there was any movement, it was the strong Argentina supporters who had the biggest gain in emotions. So their rating of satisfaction with democracy should have gone up. It actually gone a bit down, right? It fell a little. But there, there is simply no pattern here that fits that more positive emotions translates to more positive evaluations of, of the function of democracy. We have the same uh, alternative uh, measure of capturing things. If you used favorite team instead, if you look at strong Argentina fans, you would expect them to be more positive about democracy. That's not what we find, right? There are no significant uh, results here. And same thing if we look at expectations. Again, we can we concentrate on those who expected, those who are winners and expected a defeat. So these guys, they were Argentina supporters. They expected France to, to, to win. They should have a surprise victory on their hands, which would produce even more positive, even more potent positive emotions, but there is no uh, rise in satisfaction. If you were a France supporter and expected France to win, so these guys, you are losers who expected a victory. You should have been particularly uh, defeated, right, by the result of the game, particularly disappointed, there is no bigger drop in satisfaction for these guys either. One could say maybe all of this is crap because you're looking too far away from the game. You were in the field for five days afterwards. Maybe emotions are particularly strong right after the game. Maybe actually uh, satisfaction with democracy could have been swayed, could have been influenced right after the game within the uh, short time frame. We tested this possibility. We replicated the analysis for both the Super Bowl and the World Cup, looking at only at people who were recontacted within 24 hours of the match, looking only at people who are giving us their, their, uh, their, their views when there are presumably the gist of victory and celebrations, even though parade did come a few days later, but they were presumably happier. And actually our results indicate that the, 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 the highest peak in, in emotions was on the day following the game. But if we limit the analysis to only these individuals, we find the same results, right? These individuals, they represent 70% of cases in study one, 50% of cases in study two. Emotions were affected amongst this group, but satisfaction democracy was not influenced at all. So that's study two. Uh, we have a final study because we had two quasi-experiments. We said, why not we do a real experiment? So we conducted an online survey experiment in Canada last fall. Uh, Dynata provided a sample. We filled the survey ourselves. Uh, again, we, um, before asking people what were their views about 
democracy, we showed them a four-minute excerpt of The Lion King. We uh, didn't pick these excerpts uh, randomly. There is research showing that these two particular clips do influence emotions. And, uh, and so half the individuals saw the death of Simba's father following the stampede, and half the individuals saw uh, Kuna Matata, the upbeat song featuring, if I'm not mistaken, Simba, Pumbaa, and Timon. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to dance? Uh, no, <laughs> we're not. Definitely not. Uh, following our pre-registration, we uh, uh, announced that we would uh, exclude individual, individuals who failed the attention test. We also announced that we would exclude individuals who uh, did not spend four minutes uh, on the video screen because we couldn't prevent people from skipping the video. So we had to use time to make sure that they were compliant. And so uh, out of the 1,700 individuals who the survey, we're left with 66, uh, 666 cases if we do this. But I can tell you that this number is still compatible with the size of the groups we need according to our power analysis to detect an effect. And if we disregard our pre-registration, something we should never do, right? Oh, right? Yeah. If, if, we, uh, if we keep them and, and, and run it on the 1,700 uh, individuals, we get the same results. So what you see is the same story if we use everyone. We have the same measure of mood. Uh, in this case, we're not modeling change in mood because it's on the panel. We're simply modeling the level of mood according to the two treatments. Uh, as you can see, those who saw Kuna Matata have a significantly more positive mood than those who saw the death of Mufasa. Uh, difference about one point, just about the difference we were seeing in the World Cup for Argentina. It's about the same scale in terms of movement of motions, but this, of course, is limited to a uh, short-term experiment. If we use our other measures of emotions, because here again, we have the joviality scale, we have the sadness scale, we find the same difference. Did this translate to satisfaction democracy? This is our measure. Something I should point out. This was the very first question that they saw after the video. So we, in, a, in a way, we are stacking the deck for emotions to have an impact on satisfaction democracy. It was literally the following screen after the video was this question. So were views swayed? Not significantly so, right? The, those who saw Akuna Matata have a slightly higher level of satisfaction with democracy than those who saw a negative video, but the difference is not significant in this case. So in conclusion, um, we do not find that changes in emotions that do not carry any policy content whatsoever have an impact on satisfaction with democracy. We don't see that result even among subgroups of individuals who should be particularly susceptible. We don't find that result even when we manipulate emotions uh, experimentally. Um, to us, that probably suggests that the uh, emotional mechanism that was proposed is, is not what is really driving the link between winning and satisfaction and democracy. Most probably the other mechanism, the policy mechanism, is most likely responsible for the uh, winner loser gap. Some would say that this is probably a, a reassuring uh, conclusion in terms of, uh, of in normative terms. Some would say that this would mean that uh, 
opinions of citizens about democracy are perhaps more rooted, more grounded in actual evaluations of, of, of real outputs rather than fleeting feelings. Uh, certainly, we didn't find that um, emotions that are generated by non-political events had an impact on satisfaction of democracy. But still, we, uh, we believe we cannot rule out the possibility that political events, like an election, for instance, could generate emotions that might potentially have an impact on satisfaction of democracy, perhaps because emotions produce different emotions, perhaps because satisfaction and election are part of the same domain, they're part of politics, maybe there could be an effect there that we couldn't detect. But, uh, but the problem is, it remains, right? The, the issue that with research designs during elections, you can't really disentangle emotions from policy considerations. But we don't have that problem, right? We can capture emotions that have no policy content whatsoever. And in our case, emotions simply were not relevant for satisfaction of democracy. I have to say, thank you all. Thanks a lot, Patrick. Uh, fantastic presentation. Um, it's really nice also to see that once you start pre-registering studies, we also have non-findings or negative that being presented. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's question time. We have until four uh, to ask questions also online. Uh, although, yeah, I'm, I thought you would keep your computer okay. open so you could monitor uh, the questions. Uh, yeah. Uh, feel free to, uh, if you're online, to type your question into the Q&A uh, box and then we'll, uh, we'll read them out here. Uh, and in the room, of course, you can also ask questions. Just raise your hand and uh, I'll give you the floor. Uh, we're, we're still uh, being recorded, yeah. so the questions have to be exceptionally simple. <laughs> 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 the answers have to be the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're being we're being rated that uh, uh, But maybe uh, 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 maybe I can ask uh, the first question you already gave uh, a hint at it is to uh, these these somewhat strange looking distributions of satisfaction with democracy, uh, at least I would call them non-normal. Uh, what is your take on that? Why do you think they're not normal? I, I think they are- Well, they're... they have a peak in the beginning at zero, yes. they go down and then they look kind of normal, I guess. Well, there seems to be a minority of individuals in each of these samples that are particularly unhappy about democracy, but they're tiny. There's, it's kind of only a, a little uptick at the left-hand uh, side, but it's, it's not a, a, a really bimodal distribution in any sense, right? There's only a few individuals who are, who are, are, are uh, like negative views, um, but, uh, but we can uh, easily compare these things to regular surveys that are conducted that aren't on an online panel, for instance. Uh, this remains to be done, but we they're actually either of, they resemble the distribution in each, each of these countries or they, they don't. But um, uh, we weren't struck that they were abnormal, either suggesting that the samples were off, that were they were they were crappy samples. We we thought that they were decent reflections of, of regular results, but we can definitely check that more uh, robustly. And what are the country differences, particularly for the France versus Argentina? Uh, 
You mean in terms of because there was a difference in uh, in attrition in in a, a big difference in attrition in these those two countries. So we were really worried that we might have captured different types of individuals in those two places. But we do have a an additional test in the in the appendix where we try to predict attrition in those two countries, and they're actually quite similar. The factors are are never significantly different across the two. So it's not because um, we didn't have enough strong supporters of Argentina because they were partying throughout the day, they weren't filling out surveys. They're actually not that different in terms of, 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 of France, the French sample and the Argentina sample in terms of what, what how, the, how the attrition levels uh, correlate to different factors. There's no difference there. But, um, um, but again, we should check whether, as you suggest, the distribution of, of answers to satisfaction with democracy in both France and Argentina is similar to what you would find in a regular survey. You should definitely do that. Thanks. There are two questions online. Yeah, I, I think I saw that. Okay. Uh, so people online, uh, first question there from Luca Verstegen. This is great. Two questions on the Argentina study. First, did you control for national identity? Winning a national competition could boost national identity, which is related to more satisfaction with democracy. Second, for the negative effect among strong Argentina supporters, does that indicate that politics look worse during a positive context? Yeah, thank you. There's there's one thing I, I I wasn't sure you you guys would see this, but um, we uh, as soon as we do a survey, as soon as we're in the field, we never limit questions to the only one topic we're working on, right? So we had other uh, uh, political variables that we measured, and uh, and one of them is national identity. So I can show you in my supplementary slides if I can. What are the results for? Can I uh, just to drag this to the side? Yeah. Okay, so we measured a bunch of things which have sometimes been linked to sporting events. For example, there's a big debate uh, amongst uh, scholars of whether presidential approval is affected by basketball games, football games in the US and, 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 and other types of games in, in, in Ireland and elsewhere around the world. Uh, so we tested for presidential approval trust, uh, multi-item trust item, trust only for the head of state, interest likelihood of voting, confidence in election. And the last item here is a measure of the importance of national identity. So we're asking people on a zero to 10 scale, how important is it to be uh, an American for you uh, in your personal identity? How important is it for you to be a uh, Frenchman or Argentinian or Canadian, even after the, the, uh, the, the, the Lion King? And the results look like this. There is, Nothing significant after the Super Bowl, which was the most modest uh, emotional impact. The World Cup had an impact on one item, and it wasn't support for President Macron, who made a lot of efforts to associate himself with the winning team, right? He was on TV, he was consoling uh, players on the plane and everything. It, 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 he did not benefit 
from his presence, but the Argentinian president did. So approval of the uh, president of Argentina was significantly higher after the game in huh. Argentina, but no other variables were affected, including not national identity in, in Argentina. But, but uh, one result came out significant. Again, we, we can't uh, avoid the fact that this is a multiple uh, comparison test, right? We, we don't correct for, for multiple testing here, but there was a, one other significant result. It was actually, if you saw Akuna Matata, you had a, a, a higher rating of a higher importance attached to your national identity in Canada. But to me, this is not a story that says political variables are, uh, are uh, largely affected by sporting outcomes. The significant results are rare in this case. They're not common at all. And, uh, but one of them is, 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 is consistent with that debate where in the US, some, some finding can appear a small effect. Maybe there's something compatible here, but it's not something replicated across studies, certainly. Okay, thanks. Um, there was another question. Political science in the line, yeah, but Dice is a big fan of the Lion King. That's important <laughs> to emphasize. If he cycles to work, he sings the Hakuna Matata song. <laughs> so, so, reflecting on the outcomes, do you think it's possible that uh, satisfaction with democracy is a too conservative test for the emotions? So, satisfaction with democracy link. I know that it's a very stable political attitudes and that attitudes like external political efficacy or political distrust are more whimsical and therefore maybe also more susceptible. What do you think? About the emotionless French. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the second part. We'll okay. That. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, considering, the, concerning the first question, I think that was written before I showed the slide because uh, yes, I showed you items that some, where some are more stable over time, some are more uh, flexible, some are more um, uh, sensitive to movement in time, but there was simply no, uh, no significant change in, in any of these measures. But yes, satisfaction with democracy is not something that's considered fluky, something that, 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 that's supposed to change so easily, but still there is that theoretical argument that we believe emotions that are that come from election day are affecting it, but we, we are not convinced that that's, that is the case. Yeah, and so the next question is, do positive emotions last longer because, because of this particular French finding? Because Matthijs, if Matthijs loses an important match, he's depressed for about an hour, <laughs> and then he's fine again. Yeah, but if he wins, he's happy for the whole week. Yes, that, that seems to match what was uh, was 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 recovered here in the uh, in the World Cup uh, data. Uh, we 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 could look at at data in France to see whether for an hour they were depressed. We had the the day average. Actually, I can show you the uh, averages in each country by day. Appendix J, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is what happens in Argentina, right? The gray line is wave <laughs> one, and the points overlap because we actually had the interviewing on the same day, the day of the match, and you can see that for, for two or three days they were quite happier. But then it 
It, 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 mm -hmm. it even if the, I think the parade happened on day three, but still. It, yeah, but the, this is the point where everyone had a hangover. Yes, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> and in France, I would say it's literally nothing. Maybe, maybe I can find an, an hour where, where Matthias is disappointed, is he's depressed for an hour. Maybe if we look at hour by hour, we can see it. But there's really, there's really nothing there. So you actually, I mean, the finals ended at 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 eleven or ten in the night here. Depends where you are, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, we have the same time as France. So, but you were interviewing people that late at night. We were, yeah. We started. We were watching the game, and we had our our, our finger on the button, saying we opened the survey as soon as we can, mm -hmm. and uh, and we have a bunch of interviews both in France, of course, it's easier to uh, to get respondents in Argentina at that time because it wasn't yeah. as late, mm -hmm. but we uh, we have a bunch of interviews uh, even right after. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's cool. Get a question? Well, yeah. it's just a very small thing on this. I mean, what kind of person is likely to engage with the survey right after the <laughs> You're losing the people who are reading yeah. this food doing that, right? I mean, we're worried that uh, those who don't care about the outcome of the game were those that were most likely to do a survey. But then, that's why it's, it's important to look at our results when we separate people according to whether they're strong or weak partisan. Because there, we can make sure we look at the people we would, we would expect to find an effect. And we, if we focus on those guys, if we concentrate on strong fans, even them, and there are numerous, we got, did get a bunch of strong fans who could compete at survey because uh, we still had over a thousand interviews in Argentina and, and they, they, they are part of our sample and uh, they still were effective. Well, uh, yeah, thank you for the really interesting talk. And I was wondering, maybe you mentioned it, um, uh, whether you included satisfaction with the uh, team that people supported in those two studies. Satisfaction with the team? Or with the performance of the team. No, uh, no, it's something that, that could have been interesting to, to figure out if, if, uh, if yeah, if, if, if an evaluated measure that is analogous to satisfaction with the Marxian in a way, but it's linked to the game, yeah, exactly. would have a different dynamic than the, the, the emotions. Um, I, I, I would expect that the emotions would mirror them. I think that satisfaction with the team in Argentina would be much higher than any drop that would have occurred in France, but of course we don't have the data, but it, that would be my hunch of what, what we would have uncovered, but uh, but we were sorry we didn't ask those questions. Okay, no, but if you think that they would be mirrored, then yeah. theoretically, if you reverse engineer that from satisfaction democracy, there should not be, not be any effect in the study, right? Because it would be tightly linked to the context well, there's this big debate in the literature about misattribution, right? Because this is a story about misattribution. We're, we're asking whether emotions generated by an event that is unrelated to the opinions we care about, whether that has an influence or not. And, uh, and, and there's a, a bunch of research that shows that misattribution occurs. But there's also interesting patterns that uh, misattribution can be deactivated, right? It can be, if you make salient the source of the emotions or the source of the mood of the uh, amongst individuals, it actually deactivates the effect. For example, I, I talked about the Healy, Malhotra, and Mo measure. In their case, if they mentioned the results of the match in the uh, college basketball games, 
two individuals, they did this at a random, uh, random assignment, there was no uh, contamination of incumbent support when those matches were, were, were mentioned. But I should say that we made sure that we weren't exposing ourselves to stacking the deck uh, against the emotional argument. So in all of our surveys, we always ask the political questions at the very top. Before we mention anything about sports, games, football, World Cup, Super Bowl, it was all, all of our uh, political measures, including the ones on the extra slide. Then we had the mood measures, and then we had uh, views about uh, what's your favorite team, who you're rooting for, and all of that. So we didn't, we didn't mention those issues, which would have led us to to find a null finding, right? This would have predisposed the results to be null in favor of an effect. But the fact remains that uh, it could be that misattribution is easier when it is in the connected domain than when it is across domain. Um, the problem is that comes back to the issue of if you want something political to influence satisfaction and democracy, how do you disentangle the emotions from the policy considerations? But uh, but but I can we cannot rule out that maybe, as I said on the, the concluding slide, uh, maybe something closer to satisfaction of the democracy could still have an emotion. Thanks. Good question, there, Um Yes, I had a question about um, the level of democracy and how much that matters. Because I don't know so much about the democracy of Argentina, but maybe or hypothetically, what if um, people in Argentina are less involved with politics or less trustful towards politics, or and are more restrained to say something about uh, people in general in politics, um, and then they win the match? Couldn't be that people there are then more likely to actually speak out and then it still has an emotional effect, but then reverse. Yeah, and, and you could also anticipate in the same way that you could have ceiling effects if satisfaction with democracy is too high in the country, it can't go any higher, even if you have a, a boost in, in terms of emotions, while it's easier to get that movement if you start from a lower level. Um, I, I don't think it's an issue in Argentina that support for democracy is too high and cannot go any higher. Um, um, and so that cannot explain what we find, but your, your, your argument is, is interesting in terms of whether, uh, whether there are individual characteristics that explain whether an, an, uh, the transfer emotions could take place or not. We could, we could try to, instead of focusing on, on uh, variables that capture support for a team or fandom or anything else, consider more political variables, such as, as uh, interest in politics or political sophistication or, or attachment to a party to figure out if those types of dynamics are taking place. It could be an interesting uh, additional analysis to, to conduct. Thank you. So, um, yeah. I really like the study so much. I really enjoyed it. It's so, so creative and um, yeah, really great, like in the natural experiments uh, going on. Um, I was wondering, did you remember, did you collect data on satisfaction with NFL or FIFA? Or <laughs> we, have, uh, we have two items about FIFA. 
So these are two questions. Ms. Sansad, are you with the way FIFA chooses the host yeah. country? So that's the selection process, yeah. same scale. And then we have uh, the decisions to, to choose Qatar. So again, this is a, a, a change measure. So we're controlling to, for their views before the match. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's clear that if you're on the winning side, all of a sudden, everything about FIFA, FIFA seems more rosy. Yeah. <laughs> and this is uh, the selection process, while this is the, the decision. Yeah. Uh, we have a debate amongst our team whether if this is... If the, if the topic is analogous to incumbent support, yeah. then we find where we do find an effect, for example, for the president of Argentina, or whether it's an argument that uh, contamination is easier within uh, a, a domain than across domain, yeah. uh, some, and, and that argument simply continues. I, I would say that I'm, I'm not sure these are actually capturing the equivalent of incumbent support for FIFA, mm -hmm. but um, there might be room still to say that something political should naturally have more impact on a political opinion mm -hmm. than something further away. But the fact that there was still no impact whatsoever from our uh, emotional manipulation, it's, and it's difficult to imagine something more potent than a victory of, in the World Cup in Argentina, right? To think, is there something stronger we could have imagined to introduce, to, to produce any kind of effect? Yeah. I'm not sure we, we could have, but... Uh, I think there's still an it's an opening, you can It's really capturing whether there was after the game there was any uh, different level in 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 the two countries, and so when you see this covering zero for France, it means that the level of, of mood did not change at all. It it, it wasn't a it didn't go down because they were frustrated. They, it simply did not, did not move. There was no movement whatsoever. While in the case of Argentina, there was an improvement in mood. There was a more pleasant mood afterwards. Uh, you're, you're totally right that uh, we gloss over the fact that we use mood, uh, we use emotions in the theoretical setup, then we have a measure of mood, and then we have measures of emotions. 
we can't argue that we cover all potentially relevant emotions. We don't cover uh, uh, anger, as you mentioned, you don't cover really disappointment, right? We could have had a more extensive battery, but it, it's just difficult in a, in, a, in a big survey to, to do this as you would, for example, for example, with participants in your lab or something like that. But we only have a basic measures of emotions, I would say. Mood is for sure the simplest, these I would see as a positive answer of an happiness feeling in a sense, right? One is being really happy, the other is being not happy, being sad, right? And, uh, but that's the extent of what we're capturing. We, perhaps other types of emotions, other types of reactions to the same event would have actually disentangled our respondents. But, uh, but I have to say that unfortunately, this is all we have. Um, but I have to say that the theoretical arguments about satisfaction of democracy are not that, oh, it's all about this particular emotion and that particular emotion is different than the one uh, you would have in a non-political event, right? It, whether it's winning or losing an election or winning or losing a football game, the argument doesn't point to a particular emotion that we're not measuring here, that we're not capturing. But for sure, there could be different patterns in the data if we have more sensitive uh, measures of different emotions, not simply these generic ones. Thanks, I'm sorry. But I think uh, we will continue the discussion on another platform, not yeah. Zoom. Unfortunately for the online people, we're going to leave you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Bert will conclude. I just want to say one more thing. Uh, Patrick will be here. Uh, all evening, right? So uh, feel free to join us. Uh, I think at five we'll be at Kaya. And that's just the beginning. And you can ask all the questions that we didn't have time for. Okay. And then uh, I also, thank you, Patrick. I, I yes, always also have questions, but that will come later. <laughs> and whether or not you will remember them later tonight, that's up to you. But um, uh, whether they make sense, that's also up uh, to your judgment, right? Uh, uh, next week, we have a talk from Gijs Schumacher, uh, which is uh, titled Effective Representation. I think, believe it or not, it's the first time that Gijs will give a presentation. No, I was corrected for that. Yeah, you I could I did one of the first ones. The right. second time that yeah. I skipped the presentation. But, but it's my first single author paper in 10 years. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, please join. Uh, and then uh, February 24th, we have Emma Turkenburg and Daniel Thieler. Emma, Emma will give a talk titled Effective Response to Uncivil Politicians. And Daniel will give a talk Populist User Comments, the Pandemic and Online Publics Insights from a Computational Text Analysis in Seven European Countries. Um, then we have a little break, holiday and conference on March 17th. We have Barbara Fishman, University of Utrecht. On March 24th, we have Lina and Sama. And then we have on March 31st, Rosa Sanchez Salgado from the political science department. And then in April, we have David Modi from the psych department from the UFA and Anka Minishma from uh, the education sciences. So uh, really exciting stuff uh, in the coming weeks. And uh, Look forward to seeing some of you. Uh